the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. There we are. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. We are honored that you would take time to join us and to allow us to join you in your evening, wherever you are, uh, tooling across South Texas, across the streets of this great city of San Antonio. Didn't we have someone calling from New Braunfels last yes, week? Yes, we did. Yes, we did, exactly, from the big ago. city of New Braunfels. <laughs> yes. You know, people are listening. They're out there. The it, I, I didn't realize it, but there are folks listening for sure. We're glad you're with us. Uh, this is Soapy, and my daughter Stacy is here uh, at the table with us, and John is seated across the table as well, helping us kind of take care of any technical difficulties or challenges, and also answering the phone call for your participation in the program. 210-340-9585. 210 is the area code 340-9585. This is The Bible Live. It's your opportunity to hear the entire Bible every year. And I always want to emphasize the fact that uh, we we say quite often this is a program whose focus is uh, not uh, about the Bible, but the Bible itself. And uh, we've uh, focused on reading the Scriptures uh, to our great city of San Antonio for about 20 years now. Now, we we are not reading the scriptures on the radio now. We've gone to the Internet as our format and our delivery vehicle to deliver the scriptures. You can go to BibleLive.com or TheBibleLive.com. Either one will get you to our website. And there you can hear each and every weekday, Monday through Friday, you can hear a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures, uh, the entire Bible every year. So we encourage you to go to thebiblelive.com, put, get it on your, your smartphone or whatever apparatus you use to navigate uh, onto the Internet, your desktop, your laptop, wherever you might be. And uh, go there and just click on thebiblelive.com or biblelive.com. Click on that opening page and you'll see today's reading is right there. Click on it. You'll hear then the reading from the scriptures. So uh, we moved our reading program now onto the Internet as a podcast. But also uh, here on Sunday evening, we review the readings of the past week. 
And so this we are now coming to a time in our reading schedule, our annual reading schedule, does not go from January 1st to December 31st. Uh, we began uh, in the beginning, that was the way it was, but then we changed our program to begin with the book of Genesis somewhere around the 1st of November. Uh, in that range, as you know, the calendar changes from year to year, so it's not always the same day. But uh, around the 1st of November, we begin with Genesis. We did that because we wanted our readings from the Scriptures to line up in some measure, and at least to some degree, with our uh, national holidays, Christmas and Easter and, and what you know, the National Day of Prayer, uh, Labor Day, Halloween, all these uh, events that are important to us as in our culture and our society today. So we moved the readings to begin in, Jan- in, in November so that at Christmas time we're reading the Christmas story. At Easter we're reading the resurrection story from the Gospel of John. Uh, and, and in other times line up as well. We're reading from the book of Acts as we begin to talk about the National Day of Prayer. Uh, the, uh, is so the, national, uh, the book of Acts is about the church which is birthed out of a prayer meeting. So we uh, so we put it to where it line up a little bit more with our national, the flow of our national life. So that's what we do. Now we're coming up, as you can see then, if you understand what I just said, we're coming up on the end of our readings for this year. We've made our way from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and First, Second Samuel, all the way through the prophets and so on. We've made our way through the Old Testament and the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, Acts, and Romans, and so on, all the way through the New Testament as well. We're coming up toward the end. We're reading the little books at the end of both Testaments, the, the, what we call the minor prophets in the Old Testament, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, uh, uh, and so on. We'll finish up the, book of, uh, the books of the Old Testament this coming week, not uh, you know, this coming week that's starting tomorrow. We'll finish up the Old Testament. And then the week after that, we'll move right into the final book of the of the New Testament, the book of the Revelation, which is always read somewhere around the Halloween. And again, that's part of our plan was that when we're, when we're talking about goblins and ghosts and the spiritual dimension and so on and spirits and all, we'll be reading from the book of, of uh, Revelation, which describes to us the reality of that spiritual world, uh, the re- not just you know ideas and ghosts and goblins, things you know, scaring children and so on, but about the real the reality of the spiritual world and dimension and uh, how this this world comes to an end, as described there in the book of the Revelation. So uh, that's where we are now. We're we're finishing up our readings for this year, and we're getting ready to start again. I think we said November 8th. Is that right, Stacey? Monday, November 8th. Mm-hmm. Monday, November the 8th will be Genesis 1-1, mm-hmm. in the beginning. God created. God created the heavens <laughs> and the earth. And we'll start again uh, through the Bible, and so you can join us at that time. But anytime you begin listening... Any Sunday that you begin listening and going through the scriptures with us a year from that time, you will be coming back around to that same passage. You will have made your way through the entire Bible as you join with us. So that's the Bible live. That's our vision. Our 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 heart is to uh, deliver the scriptures to our great city. Uh, very interestingly, Stacy, this week I had two occasions 
special occasions. One was to celebrate uh, the the ministry of prayer that undergirds so much of what has happened. The blessings that we experience as the city of San Antonio uh, over the last 40 years, 50 years, or even longer than that, if you begin to trace the history of San Antonio, this city has been uh, impacted and sustained in a great way by movements of prayer. Uh, if you know the history going back even 100 years or more. But over the last 40 years, we've seen uh, tremendous movements of prayer. And, I, and I've seen and know for a fact that there are uh, intercessors, men and women who are called particularly and especially to a ministry of prayer, praying for our children, praying for our families, our marriages, praying for our churches, praying for our uh, political and civic leaders, praying for uh, all the, uh, the different aspects of our community, and that we have been blessed because of that movement of prayer and intercession. We celebrated this past week the passing of the torch of the ministry of Women's Neighborhood Prayer, uh, Joan uh, Courtney, Joan Bond at that time, but then uh, her husband passed and married Elsie Courtney. And Joan has been given leadership to the uh, movement, uh, one of the great movements of prayer in our city, just one. Uh, but she passed the torch uh, to her her successor now, Jean Leffler, who is leading uh, now the Women's Neighborhood Prayer. The name of the ministry has changed to Lighthouses of Prayer, and they include... Um, Men's lighthouses of prayer uh, and men's groups of prayer around the city as well. So uh, we saw the passing of the torch uh, from one of the baton, I would say probably better, from one leader to another this week. And with that emphasis and, and, and kind of a review and a reminder of the role of prayer, uh, and we'll see that tonight in our readings as as well. And then uh, also this past week, I was privileged to go and visit with a great congregation, First Baptist Church of, of Floresville, and Michael, their pastor. We, we got a chance to be with them and talk about ministry at a missions conference they were sponsoring. And the pastor there just confided in me that he has a great, great passion for the spoken word for hearing for people hearing the scriptures and we talked a little bit about the fact that most people the bible itself was written with the idea that it would be read to the people whether it was the people of israel in the old testament or the, the people of israel in the new testament the the and the different cities, Galicia, Ephesus, Colossae, and so on. These letters of Paul and the Gospels were taken and read to the people. And uh, the pastor there mentioned how, him, how, how that's such an important point to him, and he has a passion for letting people hear the Scriptures. And I clicked on my smartphone, and I clicked on our readings that said, hear that? He said, what is that? I said, that's me reading the Scriptures. So <laughs> I discovered we have a common heart and a passion there with the pastor there of the, the great church of First Baptist of Floresville. So anyway, just some extra special opportunities this past week to be out and about and with God's people. Uh, now, this past week, Stacy, we read uh, these minor prophets. We read Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Remember the prophet uh, the, that was swallowed by a great fish? And then we got into the opening chapters, just the opening chapter itself of the book of Micah. 
and we'll continue forward uh, this coming week. So tonight we're going to review these uh, minor, what are called minor prophets, not minor in sense of importance, but in terms of the length of their their ministries and the the, the length of their their particular books and the the messages that they delivered. And there's some very interesting, very very interesting messages that they deliver. Now we're coming off of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, so. Mm-hmm. The, the, we're leaving some very impressive folk, uh, particularly Daniel. We spent some time with, with Daniel over the last week or two. So uh, now, though, we're going to talk about these smaller prophets. And it begins with Hosea. And by the way, let me give that phone number again. If you have a thought about any of these prophets or anything we share tonight or some of the questions, we'll be putting out a question or two or three so that you can answer some questions from these books. Uh, about uh, these prophets. And if you'd like to give us a call, it's 210-340-9585. And my first question to you is, can you tell me the meaning of Hosea's name? What is the translation? What is the meaning? And it gives us a good key to the entire book of Hosea. What does Hosea's name mean? mean in Hebrew? Give us a call if you'd like to answer that question. Love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. Hosea preached, uh, Stacy to the to basically the 10 northern yeah. tribes. I think that's one thing that kind of is confusing to me, um, that Hosea comes after Daniel um, and yet occurs before Daniel. And right. So that, that might help just place it. Um, Hosea, uh, Amos, I think were contemporaries, and so this all is happening though when um, before Babylon, before the northern even fell to uh, Assyria. That's a good this thought. Is, it really is. And that it, is kind of hard because you would think right. just it would come after since it's after. Well, up but, until now, it has been chronological. Right, right. Uh, all of the the prophets that we've covered have led up to uh, following the. Uh, following the the, the uh, kingdom of Israel, the, the dividing. Remember, mm-hmm. Saul uh, was the first king of Israel in 1050 B.C. Then for 40 years. The basic what makes one thing that makes it easy to remember this, if you keep this in your mind, is each of the uh, first kings, the first three kings of Israel, their reigns were essentially 40 years. Now, not exactly, but it helps you to memory. V- to remember that Paul that Saul began in 1050 BC and went to 1010 and then David went from 1010 to 970 another 40 year period and then Solomon his son reigned from 970 to 930 another 40 years so you can remember those and it was the end of Solomon's reign when the kingdom split his son Rehoboam was foolish would not follow the advice of his uh, older, more experienced advisors and ease up on the taxation. And when he would not do that, then Jeroboam uh, led the rebellion of the ten northern tribes, and they split off from uh, from Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes in, in called Judah in the south. So from that point then, Israel refers to the ten northern tribes in general, not exclusively, but uh, the ten northern tribes in Judah is used to refer to the two tribes in the south, and that occurred in 930 BC. Uh, then the two key dates after that is 722 BC, 
the ten northern tribes were destroyed by Assyria, taken into exile, and never returned uh, to uh, to existence. Uh, they never re- were restored. Then, uh, on the other hand, Judah and Benjamin the, uh, of Judah in the south went on another 130 years or so to 586 B.C., when they were destroyed and taken into exile by Babylon. And and so the tribes, the books of the Old Testament fall chronologically all the way up through Ezekiel and Daniel, Daniel because Ezekiel is in Babylon. Daniel is in Babylon coming up to to the time of restoration Mm -hmm. when Cyrus allowed the people of Israel to return to to, uh, Israel. And we begin then. Now then, with the minor prophets, we we start over again. They're, like you say, they don't pick up right there. We're going to go back now, and these minor prophets are going to, uh, they come in order chronological, but they back up. And, for example, Hosea mm-hmm. prophesied when? Uh, Stacy, I think you have that. Seven, so towards the end of Jeroboam the second's reign, and that was 753 to 79. So, uh, other way around, so. right? <laughs> yeah, you have to remember <laughs> when you're talking day. BC, you're going from a large date to a smaller. To 753. Yeah, yes. 793 to 753. Yes. Hosea, in a way, kind of to me, I uh, since his is 40 years prophesying before the time of the fall of of um, Israel in the north. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I. I I liken Hosea to some way, to some degree, to Isaiah and Jeremiah. Right. He's the the prophet that leads up. He warns them repeatedly, right. repeatedly along forty years of re- warning them and telling them that the judgment is coming. That that you need to repent. You need to turn to the Lord. Calling on them to return to the Lord, to worship God. Now, the the ten tribes in the north have a lot to overcome because Jeroboam, their founder, the first king of the. Yeah. Ten, immediately uh, set up idols mm-hmm. in the north and in the south of, of the ten tribes. He he um, turned away from the worship of the people going on the pilgrimages to the temple in, in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He turned away from that practice and they established their own uh, kind of temple and their own worship uh, styles and so on in the north. So right away they moved away from the instructions of worship that they received from Moses. Uh, and and so the ten tribes in the north were having to overcome a lot of cultural um, pressure to move away from the worship of God at the temple and, and so on. Uh, so anyway, Hosea is this prophet who is trying to teach them to, uh, about repentance and, and about salvation. Now, Hosea is a very interesting prophet. We're going to talk tonight about Hosea, about Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and then just barely touch on Micah. And and then this coming week, we'll go into Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, the the (laughs) final prophets of these. But uh, these prophets now... Some of them, uh, they're they're prophesying specifically to uh, the northern tribes. I think Hosea himself is preaching to most of his messages are indeed for uh, the the ten northern tribes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And remember, we've got a question out there. What does Hosea's name 
mean if you can give us a call we'd love to hear from you anything else about these prophets as well we'd love to hear a question or a comment we'd love to hear from you now hosea is preaching to the 10 northern tribes but he's got a very special message and he delivers his marriage his message (laughs) i'm sorry in a very special way in that it is through his marriage Mm mm-hmm which is a, right. a very remarkable, right. and it is yeah. an amazing story. Maybe you can take off on that, Stacey. Well, I, I guess I was going to say, what was maybe culturally, had they come to understand of marriage at that point? Had they, uh, I know, of course, they would have very much understood that covenant relationship and would have, and, and they probably would have, only gone so far as to make a serious uh, commitment like a covenant in business in uh, and of course the, the the covenant that Abraham with God mm-hmm. um, and then with marriage what so what would be their understanding of marriage at that time for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother right. yes. leaving if she cleave to his wife cleaving and the two would become one flesh. So they they knew about marriage, obviously, in their culture, the, the society, have, right? And they would have uh, they would have sealed that as mm-hmm. a covenant relationship, um, and so they would have, of course, seen it as very important. They would have seen it as mm-hmm. um, something probably a little bit financial too, and a little bit um, sure. It's a, it's a covenant of the joining together of, of two family. different lives mm-hmm. that become uh, that become one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they become one, and, and I, I'm reminded of the fact that the children and family children come from families, mm-hmm. come from marriages. And Hosea uh, had children with this with and, this woman. And uh, a pastor this past week reminded me of the fact that in a very fundamental, even biological sense. The two became one mm-hmm. because every time a child is born, it's because of the the combination of the, the elements from both the male and the female, mm-hmm. but they become one in the child. Mm-hmm. The, a new being is born. So that's, the two becoming one also kind of has a biological mm-hmm. uh, expression uh, as well. So that's where the reason we're talking about that is Hosea's book is about his marriage. Here is a man uh, in... in uh, Israel, who is called upon by God Himself to go and take a woman to be His wife, knowing, knowing beforehand even that she would not be faithful to Him. Now that's a pretty crazy arrangement, right, John? I mean, you're, I want you to go and marry this woman, and knowing that she's not going to be faithful to you. I guess what I was wondering is what would have been the general understanding of marriage at that time. I mean, if they're worshiping idols, if they're not really following mm-hmm. Moses's law anyway, would they have really even had a respect yes. for the of The marriage? ideal was there, particularly of marriage. The ideal was there for them to see. And, mm-hmm. and of course, in the book of Hosea and several of these prophets, mm-hmm. uh, they liken the relationship to God to marriage. Right. Uh, and, and so right. that's that's why and one of the reasons we revere marriage ourselves is because marriage is seen biblically as a picture of that sure. relationship with God. Sure. That's why the, the church is called the bride of Christ. Right. With the people, though, of that time. Yes. Have, mm-hmm. okay. They would revere marriage. They <laughs> would think of sure. marriage as uh, uh, th- this is a covenant. This is loyalty. Uh, now, not perfectly, of course. Many of the kings, David included right. and so on, obviously, 
there was uh, the, the competing element of polygamy uh, as opposed to monogamy. There were, but they knew the ideal, the standard was there. Mm-hmm. And that's what Hosea picks up on. His entire message is based upon uh, the, that respect, right. that understanding of and marriage. And to me, it also kind of it ties to the sentiment of it, too. So if there, like there's a passage in Hosea where he says to soften your hearts and to plow your hearts mm-hmm. and soften it, and it, the, I, that he uses marriage as a way to to show this relationship or to call them yeah. back to the Lord does seem to pull on their, maybe even their nostalgia to their, to their, yeah, that's right. God, God is like a brag. Yeah. It, it is because a joy. it's not just a covenant. Mm-hmm. It's not just a business contract between a man and a woman right. and so on, but, there's a but it's a, there's a romance, there's, there's yes. love, there's uh-huh. romance, right. there's, and, and all of that is shown in the book of Hosea. Mm-hmm. It's brought out because God uses his, Romance, his love. Right. He truly loves Gomer, right. this young lady who becomes his bride. He truly loves her, mm-hmm. uh, and he marries her. They they come together in marriage, uh, and yet she's unfaithful to him. And even then, right. he goes and purchases oh, her back out of beautiful. adultery. Okay. She goes back into a life of literally of, of prostitution, mm-hmm. and he he didn't just wait for her to come back. Hosea pursues her. He's called by God to go back into the marketplace, find her, purchase her, redeem redeem her, Mm -hmm. purchase her freedom, and call her back into that love relationship with himself. It it is a beautiful romantic story. And as a way of, I mean, for someone that's saying uh, repent and and judgment, isn't that a neat way of, and yet uh, you would think where Gomer was concerned, I mean, his judgment is mercy in this. It's 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 grace. It's uh, oh it's, yeah. Uh, it's love unconditional. We're uh, gonna we're gonna see both of those. All of those elements you've just mentioned played out in each of these prophets. There's judgment. There's warning. There's circumstance uh, consequences of their action and their rejection of God. So judgment is coming, and yet even in the midst of that, there's a constant call to repent. To come back into that love relationship with God. There's our music. We're out for our first segment. We've kind of given you a review and an overview of what we're going to cover these next uh, 60 minutes. So give us a call if you'd like, 210 340 9585. The Bible Live will be right back. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Daughter. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 
That's a picture of the book of Hosea. Perfect, yeah. A beautiful picture of the book of Hosea there in music. You just always get the right music, John. You Somehow it's a knack. <laughs> um, I have a feeling there's a little... secrets. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful picture. We are back. The, the, now we're going to begin to discuss each of these small books of the Old Testament. These what were called minor prophets, but not minor in, in terms of importance, for sure. Uh, now, the, the name Hosea means salvation. We didn't get a call about that, so I'll give that answer out to you right now. The name Yeshua, Hosea, that means God's salvation or God saves. And the book of Hosea is a picture of the redemptive plan of God in so very, very many ways, both in the legal sense that you talk about, the covenant sense of God. He has to redeem. He has to purchase uh, Gomer his unfaithful wife, he has to purchase her out of prostitution mm-hmm. uh, at harlotry. And he the price is paid for her freedom and to come back, and he brings her back. So it, it's all very, very interesting. The, 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 the romantic aspect, God's love is highlighted. Uh, what we learn about God in the book of Hosea is that he, he has a loyal love, he has a pursuing love, and we learn about his faithfulness, and we learn about forgiveness. These are great themes from the book of Hosea. Uh, most most people know about uh, agape. Uh, some, somehow, I, I, it seems like to me, that's been preached a great deal uh, in our culture. The, the four loves, you know, C.S. Yeah. Lewis brought that out, and uh, phileo, um, I'm trying to think of uh, Eros, and then uh, I, don't, I never remember the fourth one. I always think of the three anyway. But we have the the one, all of the other loves that are highlighted in the scriptures are loves because I love you because you love me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you because you do, th- or if you do yeah, this. Transactional. Uh, transactional yeah. love. Whereas this one type of love called agape or agape love is unconditional. Mm-hmm. I love you simply because it, its purpose, its reason is found in the one who loves, not in the, the one being loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is what we see highlighted here in Hosea is that God, Hosea loves Gomer. He pursues her. It's a pursuing love. It's a, it's a, loyal love. And what I was going to say is that this word, we're not as familiar with the Hebrew word for uh, unconditional. It's hesed, H-E-S-E-D, is the the, the Hebrew word for agape, mm-hmm. is this unconditional love. And that's what's highlighted here in the book of Hosea. And the story is, of course, he, he is called to wed this woman, um, so Hosea married Gomer, we see in chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 5. Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of, uh, <laughs> boy, my eyes are not getting pretty bad here, uh, and uh, Dublaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And children of birth, they have they have marriage, they have a family, and, and uh, he marries her knowing to marry a, prostitute mm-hmm. so a harlot someone who will be unfaithful to him he marries her and then 
she leaves, they have children, and then she leaves him and returns to the life of harlotry. And and even then, God calls upon uh, Hosea then to go and to purchase her out of harlotry, out of prostitution, pay the price that was required, and to bring her back into that covenant, that relationship with himself. And so it's a picture in a, in a big sense of the redemptive plan of God in, in several important ways. I don't know if you have a comment about that. We, we were talking a little bit about how does it picture uh, our relationship with God. And, and for one, it pictures the fact that God's covenant relationship, God's plan of redemption is based upon the idea that God is going to call people out of sin, out of condemnation, out of judgment. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's uh, we as human as human beings, we generally think we earn a position. You know, we we have to perform first, and then we earn a particular status. Mm-hmm. We earn a particular reward or status. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the order it comes in. Uh, doing precedes being. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do this, you right. run this, you, know, you practice so much, and, or you pay so much money, or whatever the price is you have to pay, then you earn a particular status. And, of course, the biblical view, and, and what it's highlighted here, too, in the book of Hosea, is that, no, in, in God's redemptive plan, or we are we are redeemed. We are purchased out of a status of being lost. Right. So we don't earn. We don't perform first and then become God's children. Uh, God has accomplished. He purchases our freedom. Right. We start out as prostitutes. We ta- start out as being lost right. under the we condemnation are. of mm-hmm. sin, uh, and then. Out, as we repent, as we turn to God in repentance, the, the Father calls to us and calls us, then he has purchased. Yeah. He has paid the necessary price to purchase our redemption, to re- free, free us from our uh, our um, our lost state of existence, our, our condemnation, the consequences of our yeah. sin. He frees us, and we are made his children. And then in that status as his children, by his spirit he is growing us up we he helps us to become what we already are right and so that's the picture that is painted here in the book of hosea uh for us in in this picture of marriage uh he is preaching my primarily to the 10 northern northern tribes uh gomer is the young woman uh hosea uh, god told hosea to marry gomer but uh, she was unfaithful to him, had children by other men, and became a prostitute. Uh, and then Ho- Hosea is called to go back to pay the price of her redemption, to free her from her uh, life of, of harlotry and bring her back as his bride, which is an amazing story of love. Yeah. It's got all the elements of romance and love, but also bringing her back into the status of under the protection of, of her her relationship with him as her husband uh, into the status of marriage. So um, even with all of their wickedness, some Israelites uh, continued the religious rituals and the practices. They've continued to follow after God, even in the northern tribes. Uh, Remember, the northern tribes abandoned the worship of 
of a, a, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of Jehovah. They abandoned the, the exclusive worship of Jehovah uh, even with their first, under their first king, Jeroboam. And so they began right. to worship but idols. What is interesting, though, mm-hmm. is, and what he, is they would keep up the, the rituals mm-hmm. and the religious practices. And I do love that part in Hosea where he says, you know, that's, you're, you're doing that, but you're not obedient. Yes. <laughs> you're not, God, God prefers obedience to yeah. sacrifice. Oh, that is one of the great Isn't lessons. I love that. To, yes. From the book. Because some of them would keep up, like you said. Right. The sacrifices, the practices, and and the rituals of religiosity, but without the reality of the relationship with God. Yeah, it would be like Gomer um, saying, oh, I love you, husband Hosea. Oh, you know, you're going through all of the emotions of kind of a... So they celebrate their anniversary every year. Meanwhile, she's still a prostitute. And and God's saying, no, I, I... be faithful to me, o- obey me, be a wife, be a, you know. Right. Um, is better than than just the rituals and the... Live in that relationship with uh-huh, the Lord. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to show you love, not offer sacrifices. I, w- I want you to show love, not yeah. offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want your burnt offerings. Mm-hmm. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and betrayed my trust. Ah. Interesting, and yeah. particularly you were asking me before about their understanding of marriage, right. but he, here he says, "But like Adam, right, the uh, covenant, the, and it would yeah. have it would have been sealed with. I guess marriage would have been set aside as incredibly unique and special because it was, it was joined by covenant, and covenant would have been yes. probably one of the few. I mean, either really important business transactions or maybe adoptions." Um, but not too many things would have been sealed by covenant because yeah. it does carry such a weight to it. And from the beginning, it was marriage was seen as uh, a picture of this right. covenant relationship with God. Yeah. Uh, even in the book of Genesis, that's where we first get that, that imagery. Mm-hmm. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother. The leaving mm-hmm. shall cleave to his wife. In other words, he will... They, uh, he will leave his father and mother not abandoning your mom and dad but these are the three basic elements of marriage and not only is it found in Genesis but when they ask Jesus the Messiah about marriage he uses that very verse as the as the teaching point about marriage and, and Paul does the same thing when when the, the believers in Corinth ask about marriage and he uses that same passage. So it's very deep, leaving, cleaving, one flesh. Leaving, meaning there's going to be a, another loyalty now. Not Our primary loyalty as children growing up is to our mom and dad, our parents, our home, our family there. But then marriage is, we, we, that is no longer going to be our primary loyalty and, and obligation and attention. Now we have our husband, our wife, that becomes our primary relationship. It doesn't mean I b- abandon our moms and dads, but that now we have a new priority. Leaving and then cleaving is that public area of that now we are cleaving, we are one together, and that the society around now, that's why we have a marriage in all cultures and societies, is a public uh, ritual. It's a public celebration of acknowledging now this man and and this woman are bound together in marriage. So we don't call her up and ask for a date. 
<laughs> we don't call the husband up and ask for a debt. Now these two are, uh, they are, they are together. They're married, and so we acknowledge that's the public element of marriage, leaving cleaving, and then the one flesh. Of course, the the physical, biological area, the, the two becoming one, as we mentioned before, the two in their and through their their. Uh, intimacy with one another, then a new ch- a child, a children are born in the context of that triangle. Mm-hmm. The strongest uh, formation uh, uh, is a triangle. Mm-hmm. It's the strength of it. And children are born in the protection of uh, that marriage relationship. Uh, and so then you have the one flesh relationship. One reason marriage is so crucial and vital, not only theologically or understandably, but but even societally, the strength of the nation relies upon the strength of the families. Mm-hmm. The children that are born, mm-hmm. uh, the next generation comes through these families. I think that so it's a very, is, very important lesson yeah. coming from Hosea. And the elevation well, or of um, of women too. I mean, you, you can see Hosea's mm-hmm. just res- respect and his uh, treatment of Gomer. I mean, that even when she doesn't really deserve it. But the uh, I think that that's at a time probably when culturally, I mean, Israel, I think, did stand out probably amongst other cultures and how they respected women, hopefully. But uh, you just see that the seeds of that and how Jesus just continues that theme of elevating and, and making sure women are cherished and um, loved in that way. I, I, I particularly like that. Uh, that's very important. <laughs> Yeah. It is not only, uh, and Israel only knows that, and Israel only learns that, although they learned it very imperfectly, uh, but they only learned it because it, it comes from the heart of God himself, yes. that, that that role, that respect, that um, God, you know, Love created a role uh-huh. in a place for men and women, yes. and each is precious to him. And so they, their respect, that the that they had came because God revealed it to them and, and, and kept emphasizing it to them in their lives. So that's the book of Hosea is about salvation in that sense. It's a picture of the redemptive plan of God that God purchased us, redeemed us uh, out from the penalty of sin and that we come into that relationship with him. And that's highlighted through the relationship of Hosea and his wife, Gomer. It's not the only imagery. Hosea also talks and warns the people of Israel, the ten northern tribes, that they will be judged. They're going to be judged for their sin. Now, remember, he he preaches 40 years leading up to the destruction of uh, Samaria, the capital, the final capital city of the ten northern tribes, by the Assyrians, uh, and so he he warns them about that. He tells them that they will be uh, judged for their sin. He tells them that one of the images he talks about he they planted the wind and that they will now harvest the whirlwind, mm-hmm. uh, which is a kind of a well known saying or used to be a, a more well known mm-hmm. saying. You plant the wind, and you now you will harvest the whirlwind, the tornado, the hurricane, the storm, the consequences of your uh, rejection of the relationship with God. So Assyria in 722 B.C., under their emperor Shalmaneser, they uh, attack uh the ten northern tribes, Samaria and the ten northern tribes, they destroy them, they take them into exile. 
they put hooks through their noses and chained together, and they marched them off to the north. Uh, the imagery is there found in other passages of Scripture as well. Um, one of the they were ter- incredibly cruel. Uh, they would at times they would they would take people of Israel and they would uh, they would tie a, 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 car- a, a um, carcass on a man's back. Mm. Uh, a human mm-hmm. corro- you know, yeah. corrupting and, and so on on a man's back, and he would have to carry that carcass on his back. And Paul alludes to that and says, Oh, sinful man that I am, who will redeem me from this sinful body of sin? You know, he uses that imagery in the book of Romans. Uh, so the, this was a very uh, memorable occasion. The ten northern tribes were destroyed, taken into exile, and never returned, never restored uh, reconstituted as a nation. And as you said, he uses some imagery there from harvest fields, and he says, uh, plow up the hard ground of your hearts to tenderize your hearts and so on. And uh, Israel returns to God, begins when they ask God to forgive him uh, for all of their sins. So repentance as a key to that salvation, uh, that restored relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know what more we can say about Hosea. Yeah, it, let's it's, go to uh, Joel. It, we could go on. Let's move on to the yeah. the story of Joel. We don't know the date of Joel. Now, Hosea, we do know it's those forty years leading up to the destruction of, of Samaria in the north. But we Joel is harder to place. He does not reference any of the kings right. of Israel or of Judah. Uh, he so it, in a way it kind of makes sense too because the the theme of of Joel also is redemption and judgment. His basic theme is judgment, mm-hmm. that we will be held accountable. There is, um, and, and that is a kind of a timeless theme. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter what time. Uh, and so, so maybe it's I, it's understandable that we don't know exactly. I think some people try to guess that Joel was a contemporary of uh, of Hosea, right? Is that uh, Amos. Amos, Amos okay. Contemporary of Hosea. Um, mm-hmm. But we don't know. But but the theme of of Joel is judgment that we will if we will experience uh, the consequences of our rejection of God in his, in the covenant relationship with Him. It opens the book. The whole book opens with the entire nation, the entire country being covered with a an infestation of locusts. The crops are being destroyed. Uh, and and uh, families are starving and suffering because of this uh, judgment, this devastation of the plague of folk of uh, locusts on the land. And this was considered uh, a phrase that is used a great deal in Joel is the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. This this day of judgment uh, is coming, and and yeah. it is an important principle that men and women everywhere in all time in all places need to understand that. We will be held accountable. We are spiritual creatures, and there will be consequences of the ways, the decisions, the choices we make in life, particularly in terms of our uh, worship of God or not, and, and our allegiance and our acknowledgement of God, and our and yielding ourselves to right. to God. This reminds the day of the Lord kind of reminds me of, and not only on a on a national scale, but even just individually, it kind of. Re- 
reminds me of a come to Jesus moment. I yeah. think that a modern translation of mm-hmm. the day of the Lord might be a come to Jesus moment. And we all know those sort of come to Jesus moments are those moments in your life when you're confronted. And a lot of times it is by hardship or something devastating or something that's just difficult and you really have a fork in the road and it's either and people and i think that's largely what joel is about those times in your life those times in a nation's life where there's a fork in the road disaster strikes your all other foundations are at are shaky and you can decide are you going to repent and come come to jesus come to the lord or is, is this going to soften your heart is this going to be a mirror and reveal to yourself your need for a savior and you and him, his loving hand and being there and ready, or is this going to, or, or, is, your, or is your heart going to harden? Are you going to turn to mm-hmm. Egypt? <laughs> are mm-hmm. you going to turn to other? And, um, and it's kind of that reckoning moment. Yeah, and every human being, every human being mm-hmm. has that moment. Uh, and, and, I mean, I, of course, there, there, we talk about children, we talk about infants, we talk, I, I don't know in what way, God deals with them, and, and but I do know that God is gracious and good and loving, and that if there's any way at all, but then, but then each human being receives that call from God, and it comes, like you say, in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, C.S. Lewis yeah. talks about this in ways that are so yeah. interesting to me in some of his books. I don't think of a particular specific application, but the fact that we all at some point in time are brought to the end of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, the circumstances of life itself, mm-hmm. uh, the, the pressures of, of uh, finances, the pressures of job, the pressures of health. The reality uh, of death. Yeah. The reality yeah. of death, uh, the uh, relationships, uh, marriages, and so on. In some way, shape, or form, each and every one of us, uh, and probably many times, are brought uh, kind of symbolically in, in terms of imagery to the end of ourself. To the point to where we either at that point we're going to say, "Okay, this is beyond me. Yeah. This I, God, you're the. I need you. I need mm-hmm. you, God. Would you?" Uh, and, and that that point then is what I think Judge yeah. Joel is talking about. We're yeah. all brought to that point, and at that at that point we have to either decide mm-hmm. to repent, mm-hmm. to turn from self and from sin and selfishness, to turn to God, to humble ourselves before Him, to receive. Gratefully, uh, the the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness and cleansing that he offers to us uh, through his son, Jesus, who paid the redemptive price for our salvation or not. And so uh, and Joel love, has an important uh, theme for yeah, us. And I love that verse, the return to the Lord, your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. It's just such a so in, in that moment, re- remember that remember that this is the God who. Who, yes, these these things might be happening, or this, and it is painful, and we don't want to water down how hard some of the hardships can be. Look, mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. Joel's case, the locusts and the hunger and the in our case drought. maybe COVID, maybe, and maybe COVID. Uh, other pressures and difficulties mm-hmm. and traumas that we experience right. as a culture, as a society, mm-hmm. and of course as individuals. Mm-hmm. But the God ultimately, who loves us and who's there for us and who wants us is a God who gave his life for us. 
Um, he will go to the greatest lengths and the greatest measures to redeem us, to redeem even that hardship, that hard moment. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate, and this is what Joel points to, the, the you know, we all have kind of our day of the Lord moments, but there will actually be an end day of the Lord when ultimately he really will the the mm-hmm. weeds you know the from the, the wheat, wheat will from be the, separated yes, from the weeds and the, the tares and the sheep <laughs> from the goats and yeah, there will be a time yeah, of, and yeah. the, and then there really w- there will be no more death no more crying no more t- he will make all things right mm-hmm. and uh, and if we you know in this in this moment when he calls us and we're faithful to him you know that day we can look forward to that day of the Lord and we won't have to be afraid of that day of yeah. the Lord. And that's a beautiful imagery, too, that comes from this uh, about the locusts. Mm -hmm. He opens up with the judgment of God falling upon uh, the land, the locusts have eaten it. But he says that that we're told that the the God is going to restore us, restore to us the crops and the things that were destroyed by the locusts. And so part of judgment is also not only judgment in the negative sense, Uh the consequences of rejecting God, but also the rewards the satisfaction and contentment of, of having been made right with That's God, right. the joy of salvation. Yeah. All of that is found in the book of Joel. Well, we'll come back. We'll, we'll talk about Hosea and Joel. We'll talk about Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and Micah. When we now, Not so much Micah, but Jonah, uh, Amos, Obadiah, and Jonah. When we come back, if you'd like to give us a call and talk about any one of these themes or topics, 210-340-9585. The Bible Live will return in mere moments. This is The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. What you done for me, Jesus, I'll never forget. You set my soul free, Jesus, I'll never forget. How you brought me out, well, no, 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 I'll never forget. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. We will never forget what he has done for us as well. A great choice. Uh, Sam Cooke, Little Richard. I mean, we're finding out a lot about... uh, yeah. Some of these men and women uh, had the foundation, Elvis, at least, of faith. Aretha, Elvis. Aretha, Elvis. Uh, there was, they, they heard, they knew the message, they knew about the Savior, and it seems that uh, at least through their musical expressions, maybe they have made that decision too in their own moment of decision. We're talking about that from the Minor Prophets, Hosea, Joel, uh, here on the Bible Live. Now we're moving from consideration of those. I did want to mention one other thing about Joel is that uh, not only the idea of judgment uh, in the negative sense would deliver from the from the the locusts and so, but the restoration was an emphasis as well. And we have yeah. that famous yeah. Joel is quoted in the New Testament 
in in the book of Acts. It's the only other time that Joel is mentioned in the Bible. But he mentions that when Peter quotes from Joel 2.28, uh, when God is going to pour out his spirit on all people, uh, and talks about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and this is a prediction as well from the from Joel is that God part of the redemptive process is not only he purchases our legal uh, uh, forgiveness and our cleansing from the legal consequences of our sin but then he works within us by his Holy Spirit to transform our existence to transform our lives uh, not only forgiving us our sin but removing the sin from its power delivering us from the power not only the penalty of sin but the power of sin. That's highlighted as well in the book of Joel. And we it's picked up on in the book of Acts. Now let's move to the book of Amos, uh, primarily writing to the ten northern tribes of Israel. Amos is one of my favorites Aww. because I, I grew up on a ranch, you know, and milking <laughs> the cows, slopping the hogs, riding the horses and all. And, and uh, I, I know a little bit about ranch life and farming life. Amos was a farmer, uh, just a good old, good old boy, <laughs> yeah. and uh, grew up he uh, as well. He was a tender, uh, tended sheep, and he was a tender of trees. Uh, there's certain I've forgotten the kind of trees. We'll, we, it'll show us there in the book. It'll talk to us. Sycamore, I believe it was, sycamore trees um, that he tended. His hometown was in Judah, about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. So he lived in like Bernie, oh, yeah. <laughs> down in Floresville. He lived in Bethlehem. Yeah, just out. Yeah, like uh, Bethlehem, uh-huh. outside of ten miles south of Jerusalem. Bethlehem, I believe, was uh, west of Jerusalem, if I remember okay. correctly. I'm, I'm, I may be off there as well, but a little town called Tacoma, mm. and it reminds me we have a Tacoma, Texas. And by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, what part of Texas was Tacoma in? Right. Yeah. Uh, so what uh, and some of the things we learn about Amos is that uh, and again he he prophesies about 760 and remember 722 is when uh the northern tribes are taken into exile destroyed by Assyria uh he he always warns so one of the lessons we get from Amos is that God before bringing judgment the judgment we heard about for example in the book of Joel before bringing judgment on an individual or on people, God always gives a warning. There are always warning signs. There are always situations and circumstances that bring us, give us that option of turning to God and, and re- repenting, turning away from our selfishness and our sin and, and looking to God, uh, like come to Jesus moment that you mentioned, Stacy. God always warns through his servants, the prophets, through his people. Uh, so that's one lesson we get from the book of Amos. And borrowing from his farm background, uh, Amos talks about crops. He talks about baskets of ripe fruit. Uh, the many He talks about some of the dip, difficulties, locusts, fire, famine, drought, uh, crop failures. He talks about diseases and infestations on, on the crops. Uh, so he, he talks about all of these difficulties, but still he says in, in, in chapters uh, 4, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, in spite of all of these things that God sends, these disasters calling us, warning us, he says, but still you wouldn't turn 
to me uh, was God's message. Still, in spite of all of that, in your stubbornness, you would not turn, you would not humble yourselves and turn to me. Uh, but God always gives that warning uh, before sending judgment. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. Yeah, well, I um, I think two people largely appreciate Amos, and um, because evidently what was happening, and correct me if I'm, but there. During this time that he preached, it was towards the. It was also during Jeroboam the second's reign, mm-hmm. and there was a vacuum that kind of had been created um, when it uh, when it came to the economy and to money. And so, what was happening in the northern tribes was those that were already wealthy were capitalizing on this. And were creating great wealth for themselves at the expense, at the of, expense though, mm-hmm. of the of of the the poor, the women, mm-hmm. the um, the um, widows, and such. And um, and Amos was saying that that's not okay. A, a real heart change is going to also be evidenced in how you treat others, and that that greed and that um, good, good. is is not going to. And I think it's um, so. It, it's kind of to your point as far as uh, the, the there's religiosity, there's the rituals. There's sure I'm sure they were still doing all of the right oh, sacrifices very things, and yeah. such, but they weren't loving their neighbors. They weren't, um, and it kind of harkens back to how they even very their their, their very beginning their their genesis was mm-hmm. had to do with money and taxation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Rehoboam. Uh, Wait, let's see. Rehoboam broke away mm-hmm. um, because he wanted to tax more. Is that no, right? No, it was Jeroboam. It was that Jeroboam taxed, that was that broke away because Rehoboam was would not more. ease up on the taxation. Oh, all right. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> interesting. I mean, it just shows the yeah. kind of the and how money and how <laughs> can play into it and can become that other god or that other thing that you're relying on, yeah. and you're not surrendering that. Um, In almost to, every situation mm-hmm. of life, there's a sermon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's right. there's well, some yeah. way of understanding more of how God deals with us and yeah. of our own sinfulness and our own need. It's and how he wants these us, principles are all around right, us, right? And how He wants us to to treat others and and to live sacrificially and to love, you know, your neighbors, which was so rooted in Israel in in the culture and in the laws, even. I mean, the Mosaic laws of. Uh, of the year of jubilee and of different and you caring for the widow caring for the mm-hmm. and that they had just but it's not just doing the ticking a box but it's a heart of sacrifice it's a heart of yeah. loving it's a um, it's a transformation of life yes. it, it's not just uh, you know chick, clicking in a box and I, oh i've done that i've done that but it i've is been baptized right. i did i go to church I, i'm a member of a church that doesn't it's not about church membership or, or going through certain right. rituals. Not that those are meaningless, right. but they're only meaningful if they reflect a reality right. of a genuine relationship with God. Right, and it's not even a um, and it's not a, a political thing either. I mean, no. it, it is the it is a desire. It's a heart for choosing to live sacrificially and to give mm-hmm. and to be aware yeah. of and to not um, extort and to not. And I, I just, so for that reason, though, I mean, you can see why Martin Luther King quotes Joel, let uh-huh. justice roll down like waters in a mighty stream. Oh, yeah. From Amos. And yeah. that it's, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, Amos does have a real yeah. heart and a real pulse 
for the yeah. for the common the, the common man, man the, the common, common touch mm-hmm. the common uh, and I love his uh, I love his farming uh, ranching sort of mentality <laughs> uh, he all this turn all this terminology uh, he even has the nerve and the gall to call the the women of Samaria fat cows you know <laughs> which which I don't think many preachers would get away with anything like that uh, these days for sure uh, and we of course politically would be very politically incorrect to do that but he calls the women of and their in their pride and their exuber and their and and like you said you know showing off of their wealth and yeah. so on at the expense of the poor and the yeah. needy uh, he calls them fat cows and it, 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 very very interesting he has that common touch uh that that Amos as a farmer represents and there there's some a couple of things i want to mention too in chapter 7 god gives amos two visions of judgment on israel <clears throat> A judgment of locusts and a judgment of fire. Now, remember, folks, these aren't sort of often the. We do have infestations of locusts and diseases and so on. Uh, even COVID, we're going through. And remember the fires that have swept oh, through yeah, Northern yeah. California and so on. The, mm-hmm. These are detrimental, destructive things. And, and so Amos is talking about those kinds of things. Uh, and he is warning them. He has these visions of judgment. And, and uh, he says he's warning them about God's judgment, but God relents, does not fulfill those visions in that moment because of why. In chapter 7, we're told it's because Amos prayed, asking God to forgive their sins and spare the nation. And again, it comes back to that importance of prayer, intercession. These men and women who pray for our city, we will someday see how great a Oh, uh, thanks, gratitude we owe to them because of their sacrifice of time and energy and passion and prayer for our city, for our nation. And so that's one thing. Amos is a great example of intercessory prayer. <clears throat> and that there's something very close to my heart as the uh, founder here and the host of the Bible Live. is God says he's going to send uh, and subject Israel to a different kind of famine, mm-hmm. not of bread or not of water or food, but of hearing the words of the Lord. How important it is that so many people have never heard the scriptures, don't know the scriptures, and it's so crucial and vital that we r- deliver God's word to our nation, to people, to a whole generation, many of whom have never heard the scriptures and and, and their beauty, their power, uh, their message. So uh, that's 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 important to me yeah. as part of this program and the vision of the Bible Live broadcast. Well, let's go now to Obadiah and Obadiah. to Jonah. Okay. Obadiah is the shortest book in the Bible in the in the Old Testament. I'm sorry, in the Old Testament, uh, he's speaking not to Israel in the north and not to Judah in the south. His message is primarily to the nation of Edom, the descendants so of of yeah. Jacob's brother Esau. Yeah. And so he is uh, calling out to that nation uh, of Edom, and he says that Israel will be restored, but that Edom will be re- Israel will be destroyed, restored. but then restored. Right. Okay. Uh, but that e- oh, uh, Edom, and this is true. It turned out to be true. They too were destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar by Babylon, but they were they disappeared like never like they never existed again. So. That's the message of Obadiah in warning to the the nation of Edom, uh, those outside uh, of, of Israel. And interestingly enough, Obadiah 
uh, was not Jewish. Okay. Uh, he, uh, if I remember correctly, now I'm, I have to remember, maybe, um, who knows, maybe Jacob is listening tonight. <laughs> he would call it, <laughs> if I remember correctly, neither Habakkuk, uh, perhaps Obadiah, Obadiah as well, okay. were not Jewish. Um, but Obadiah, it, it, of course, is, is mentioned in other parts of Scripture as well. But that's the message of the shortest book in the Old Testament to, written to the nation of Edom. Uh, let's move on to Jonah because I know we want to spend some time with him. He's one of the most well-known of the prophets because uh, the book of Jonah is different in that it doesn't highlight so much the messages, the sermons uh, that Jonah delivered, but it, rec- it focuses on the life experience of the prophet himself. Daniel, we see some of that. Daniel's life experience is taught right. in the first six chapters, but in the last last six chapters, it highlights his messages, his sermons, his visions. Uh, Jonah is all about this prophet who is running away from God. He does not want to obey God. Now, why does Jonah not want to obey God? God tells him to go and preach and deliver a message of warning and of judgment to uh, Nineveh, which is the capital of the city of uh, the nation of Assyria, yeah. this nation that has been kind of uh, persecuting and, and harassing Israel from the north, uh, with their capital city Nineveh, he he is told to go up and preach a message of judgment, uh, and, and it, we do have his one his seven word. In 40 days, Nineveh <laughs> will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. That's, that's that's his sermon. That's, his, <laughs> that's it. He did it, but he did it. Under duress, yeah, as few words as possible. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Uh, Seven-word sermon. and But he doesn't want to go deliver that. Yes. He does not want to. Now, why, Stacy? Because he doesn't want, he wants them to be destroyed. <laughs> exactly. It's so human. Yeah. It's so, uh, yeah, which is under, which it is. It's so understandable. I think it's encouraging because here's this minor prophet who is used by God, who I'm sure every Sunday school you know, kid knows Jonah and the big fish. And, um, and yet he was stubborn and human and he, he was used by God despite himself. But it doesn't <laughs> make sense. He said, he, he, you know, he wanted them to be destroyed, but that was what he was going to announce. He was going to announce to them that you are going to be destroyed. But <laughs> what does he say? Um, but he, he knew that you are a belie- you are a loving, forgiving uh, God, gracious God. And I knew, I just I knew, knew, I knew that you were going to forgive them, forgive them. <laughs> <laughs> that there was this outside chance that they would repent and that you would forgive them. Um, oh, Jenna. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he, he was not in touch. He liked the judgment part of God, but not that forgiving, loving side. Well, when it's directed at Nineveh, at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, just kill me now, Lord. I'd Aww. rather be dead than alive if, if what I predicted will not happen. I, he says, uh, that's, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted is not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. That's, uh, I, 
It's such an important lesson for us yeah, about well, God and yeah. His goodness and His grace. Even all these warnings of judgment and that it's real. You will be, there will be an accountability. God is going. Sin must be judged. Uh, uh, the penalty of sin must be paid. Even with all of that, God is just. Well, it, God is yeah. gracious and merciful and desires our deliverance and from sin. And He's. I mean, I. It is so very understandable, though. I mean, it, it would be the equivalent, though, of, you know, God forgiving someone who killed your own family. Or, you know, in those cases, sure, yeah, you, of course. you want you want God to judge them. You want, and, um, and that's under, you know, I think that that's probably understandable. I mean, that, and, but at the same time, you have to remember, though, that you're, you're just as, deserving of his judgment as exactly. as other and it is a sweet uh you know it's a hard it's a hard thing that Jonah I think we can all relate with Jonah and relate with that tension and with the struggle that he must have gone through and um and just kind of the inner turmoil I mean I cannot imagine you know with those 3 days in the fish and probably yeah. in that instance, he's like, I'm, I'm really glad you're slow to anger, Lord. <laughs> Remember. You're <laughs> At that to... point, it became a little <laughs> bit I'll more personal, right? Yeah. I'll go ahead and take that mercy that you offer. Um, but it, and it's, it is sweet. Like, you know, the, it's mm. not so much the message as we get to actually see the story and see yeah. his message lived out even in his own life. In as his own he's life, trying yeah. to process it. And, it's an amazing, uh, yeah. this is one of the eight great, uh, revivals recorded in the mm-hmm. in Hebrew scriptures. One of the eight great revivals that are mentioned in this great city of Nineveh, the whole city from the king, the emperor down to the lowest of the repented and repented in sackcloth and ashes. And, and interesting. Mm-hmm. I, it just, it, it's a, it's a level of repentance and a level of revival that, mm-hmm. that is just phenomenal. Hundreds of thousands of people, uh, the, just review the story, though, of, of, of Jonah. Uh, Nineveh is the capital city of, of the ruling world empire of that time, Assyria, and Nineveh is the capital. Uh, instead of going 500 miles north to Nineveh, Jacob, uh, Jonah boards a ship uh, to go across the Mediterranean to Tarshish, which is probably the other end of the Mediterranean, all the way down to Spain. At the other, <laughs> he was getting as far away from that task as he could. He didn't want to do that, but God sent a storm. Uh, the, the, the ship is sinking, and the crew on the ship, interesting, that's in the, all, every bit of this is interesting, every detail. They are not believers. They're not Israelites, they don't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they realize that God is doing something. This is supernatural. And so they they cast lots uh, to find out what what is God saying? What What's going on here? Who's the one causing the problem? And lo and behold, it falls on Jonah, who's asleep down in the um, hold of the ship. And so they wake him up, and, and he tells them, he recognizes God is working and speaking. So he tells them that he's the reason uh, he explains to them what he's doing and they and he instructs them to throw him overboard yeah, I guess. you gotta admire i mean you gotta admire really that. there's a little bit to be said for jonah there yeah. he they throw him over the ship and the three the the, the storm is subsides, subsides uh-huh. and and they are saved and then this great fish we don't we some people say a whale uh, a great fish of some we don't know swallows 
Jonah. I, I don't know if he was a big man, a little man. Was that a big bite or a little bite? Uh, and then he is taken, and he goes through these three days and three nights, which Jesus later yeah. uses Jonah's experience as a picture of his own being in the in the grave three days and three nights before his resurrection. Mm-hmm. And then he, the and it, yeah, and Jonah really repents, is, mm-hmm. and it really is a death to self. And I think it's also just we're going to take that metaphor. Important that Jonah chose to do it, that he did sacrifice yeah. himself. And, uh, and that that sacrifice actually was a testimony to the crew. The crew saw that right, and exactly were right. moved and very changed that he was willing to give his life for, for them, for them to be saved. And it was the, I think it's important that. So Jonah he was true chose. to his calling and role as a prophet. And to, yeah, in that way. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then and then that must have been quite a baptism. Yeah. <laughs> Baptized yeah. into the belly of yeah. a. Mm. And then. And then the and, fish vomits him up on yeah. the shore. And he, who knows what he looked like at this point, mm-hmm. seaweed, and maybe his skin was probably uh, the acid effect of the skin probably made him white. Or, you know, I mean, it, could, yes. it might have, must have been a horrific appearance, which probably added to the effectiveness of his seven-word sermon, you know, <laughs> <laughs> when he comes in. And, and uh, I, I don't know, but all of these things work together that he, the people repented. He got, he went to Nineveh. He was obedient. And then, of course, he became upset with God um, for for having done that. And of course, uh, it's a message for every servant of God too. You know, we we, we need to real not rejoice in judgment and destruction yeah. of people, but in in in, in people's deliverance in true uh, repentance. It's also sort of a sweet thing that God he he is faithful to use you, even despite yourself. You know, yes. maybe Jonah didn't appreciate it in that moment, but maybe come his day of the Lord, he was grateful that God used him and that he was at least faithful to obey when he was, when it came to it. You're so good, honey. That was a great, great <laughs> summarization, sum, summary there. Thank you, folks, for joining us here on The Bible Live. We'll get into Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and the final books of the Old Testament next week here on The Bible Live. See you next Sunday. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.